Hello, everyone, and welcome to another IA Cast episode. My name is Michael Doeys, and I'm here with Jason Earls. Hello, everyone. And that's it. I mean, small crowd today. But that will soon Late. change because this is the calm before the storm. And by the way, oh, this is what episode an storm it's going to be. Yes, it will. And this is episode 129 of the show. So welcome, everybody. We're glad to have you here. So there is some news this week. There was a release of a small little OS um, that Apple fans just probably don't even acknowledge. It, it's called Android. Uh, Android 10 came out last week. And the funny thing is I've been running the beta and the update was five megs. <laughs> Android. Can't say I've heard of it, says the guy who installed it on his Pixel. Yeah, um, it was, I ended up installing the beta like a week or two before it was officially announced. And I was actually going to give some feedback and I missed my window. They were like, sorry, feedback is closed. And then uh, it wasn't long after that, I actually got the uh, update to the official version. It was like five megs for me as well. It still took a long time to install, though, but then again, my phone's three years old, so that probably has something to do with it. Yeah, and I'm wondering, because I see update, you know, security updates, but I wonder if they do like Apple does with the point one, point two, and all those kind of updates. I haven't seen that. You mean as far as, like, subsequent beta updates? No, like feature updates throughout the year, that kind of thing. I don't know that I've seen oh, that. Oh, okay. Yeah. It does seem like it's more point oh releases for feature changes to Android. But also, it's kind of hard to gauge that because, like, for me, come March, uh, installing the beta again. <laughs> well, I suppose that's true. So let's talk about Android 10. You get a lot of enhancements, like new uh, gestures to control your phone. You can set it up more like an iPhone 10, where swiping from the left to the right goes ba uh, back and swiping up from the bottom goes home, and all of those gestures work with uh, TalkBack. They do, although you don't really get any uh, speech feedback or sound feedback, really, for those gestures. It's kind of a guessing game a little bit when you use them, but they do work. I think the only real difference between the Android gestures and the iPhone gestures are that when you swipe up to go home, uh, if you want to open up the overview, you swipe up like you do to go home, but you hold your finger for a second. Before you go about halfway. App overview. Yeah, you go about Interesting. Halfway. It told me to hold my finger or something when I read the. Uh, yeah, just take two fingers, go up halfway, gesture. and hold for a second. Yeah, because if you let go, then it takes you to your home screen. Right. So, it's pretty cool. I like I like the features a lot. There's obviously more security updates and different uh, features, but those are the main things and some changes as far as. Uh, uh, Talkback are a concern, I'm sure, but uh, a dark theme as well is included. Actually, I haven't really seen any uh, real Talkback changes as of late for Android 10, other than, at least on my phone, it's very, it's kind of sluggish when you are dragging your finger around the screen rapidly. It seems to be the same as it was in Pi when you flick, but for me, it's just really slow to drag around the screen with. I mean, it could just be that my phone's three years old, but... I don't know. It, I I feel like there shouldn't have been that much change from Pi to 10. Yeah, but we've seen that in iOS updates, too. Yeah, true enough. Especially on the watch. Yeah, part of the reason why I wanted the Series 4. <laughs> I still had the Series 2 on watch OS 5. Oh, it was log-ish. 
Oh, boy. But I know there's more features, and we'll link to an article where you can read all about all the new features, but uh, there's just some really cool things in how Android works. Those new gestures are nice, and um, yeah, check it out. It's really nice. So let's talk about this, even though by the time you get to hear this, the event will be out. Apple's new uh, next event is Tuesday. And are we excited yes. about this, or are we? I mean, I don't know. I don't think anybody really cares from our team. <laughs> Not that all of us have Apple devices and have been right. shopping at the bit to figure out what's going to be announced or anything. iPhone 11. Honestly, like, right. But honestly, like, even though I have a pretty good idea, and I'm sure all of us who pay attention to the uh, technology news have a very good idea as to what's going to be announced... It's still not quite the same just reading rumors and not watching the event. It's It was, you know, last event, it was fun, even though I was kind of pretty sure what was going to be announced for the most part, as we all were. It was like, yep, that rumor is announced. But it was still, there was just still something about hearing it announced at the event and the energy that are in Apple events. I wonder if Tim Cook's going to be as riled up this time as he was <laughs> last event. I mean. I bet so. He was... He was charged last event. But, you know, rumors say we're going to get refreshes of everything. We'll have to see what we get, but I'm just excited. I would be fine with just a new iPhone. I love my iPad. It is just the perfect device. I don't think they really need to improve on it, except for maybe another USB-C port. But otherwise, I think it's really awesome. Yeah. I mean, of course, I still have the old iPad Pro, the 2017 10.5-inch iPad, but... I mean, even my iPad still feels like a very useful device, and even more so since iOS thir- iPad OS rather, 13 is nearing its release. Only thing I regret is that there's no full keyboard access that, that's been removed for now. Yeah, that kind of sucks, but I mean, I'm, a, I'm hoping it's removed because they're trying to fix it, and then when they bring it back, it's going to be nicer because there were issues typing in text fields with full keyboard access um, where you would not end up with spaces when you would type because space was used to activate buttons and things. At least I think that's what the problem was. Um, That's what I was experiencing. It was very annoying and really weird because I would have thought that they would have had that figured out since keyboard access on the Mac has been a thing for years? Yeah, well, I don't think it's the same thing. I think it's a new version of... I mean, it, it's not the same stuff from Mac OS. It's a new uh, version of that, so I could see why it does not work well. I suppose. And I wish they would add SMB Discovery to the uh, Files app because I cannot seem to connect to my network drive through files, even though it's supposed to support SMB connections. Interesting. Unless yeah, they're only I... supporting newer versions of SMB. That's that's possible. Uh, I'll have to play with that because I'm not sure. Yeah, actually, that would be interesting because you don't have a um, airport router, right? Not you set up. Your... No. Yeah, so you just have you. Do you have a hard drive connected to your Google router? No, but I can see if my. Uh... Windows PCs will show up. Well, they may if they're using a newer version of the SMB protocol because Microsoft has disabled the older one by default, I believe, in Windows 10. Mm -hmm. You have to go in and enable the older one, which is what I had to do in order to see my 
file share on my router because it was using the older protocol, and it still is, as far as I know. That's that's a shame. Yes, it is. But honestly, I don't think we're going to see new Macs, but maybe new watches, new phones, new iPads, potentially. But I'm just very yeah. excited. And possibly new Apple TVs. And maybe new AirPods. But maybe. I don't I mean, know. I'm skeptical. It wouldn't surprise me one way or the other, honestly, if we did or didn't see new AirPods this event. But we will have a wrap-up show to talk all about this event after the show. We're going to stream it live on our on our streaming server and possibly record it. And based on the discussion, we may post it to the feed, but we'll see. So with all of that, I mean, I'm just excited. It's going to be a great week and uh, really excited to see what we get. Oh, yeah, definitely. So here's something that, you know, goes hand in hand with the announcement that I wanted to go ahead and get out and announce in October. We will be doing our first ever training course, and it's going to be recorded, but it will also be done through Zoom, and it will be a paid course. The topic will be Swift UI, and we'll have uh, more information about this coming soon, but it will be uh, the website and the sign-up will be up for that uh, next weekend uh, about the time that this episode goes out to iTunes and other places. So if you want to learn Swift UI, this will be a two hour a week course and you could pay for uh, so many courses, so many hours of it or the whole thing. And it will be on the website next week. So this week I will be coming up with the syllabus, getting everything ready. And then we will write some code on uh, the beginning of October. So uh, I'm very excited to be teaching this. Swift UI is Apple's new language to write code for everything. Apple Watch, iOS, iPadOS, and macOS, and have it run everywhere. So check it out. Um, I'll have information up about it next week, and I cannot wait to teach everyone about Swift UI. Space is limited, so please sign up. Uh, when you can. If you'd like to get any information about this that's not on the website, you could always email feedback at iaccessibility.net and ask us any questions. All right, so on to our main topic for today, and that is, what is an app? Jason, what's an app? <laughs> an app? It's what happens when you sleep. Oh, an app. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, to me, an app is essentially a bundle of goals or tasks and instructions on how to perform those said tasks for a specific device, or rather a specific operating system. Yeah, an app is a program. They're the same thing, kind of like saying the, that the cloud is the internet. An app is a program written to accomplish a task. And so today we wanted to talk a little bit about what an app actually is and what the differences are between apps on iOS, Android, and Windows, 
and Mac and uh, kind of shed some clarity on what an app is because people think an app is a certain kind of thing and it's the same as everything else. So an app is basically a program. Like we said, it has steps. It tells you it, it goes through each step to complete a task. And a programmer writes these things in a certain way that makes the iPhone work or Android phone or Windows. So why do we need apps? Uh, why do we need apps instead of just using the web to do anything? What, what are your thoughts, Jason? My thoughts on why we need apps... I mean, for me, it would be efficiency. I mean, from a purely accessibility standpoint, I find apps, standalone apps, a lot easier to deal with than uh, web apps because it's sometimes not quite as efficient to use browser commands to navigate your entire interface as I found out when I <laughs> got a hold of a Chromebook. Yeah, so apps, yes, they provide a native experience, or they should provide a native experience for getting things done on a device. Some apps are basically web containers, and that's not really effective either, but a good app is a native application written for the platform that completes a task. Now, apps typically... In the past, the way that Apple said that apps should be is an app should do one thing really, really well. And for the most part, that's the case. I mean, look at calculator. It calculates. It does one thing. Messages. Sends messages. Mail. Only does email. Calendar. And that's why all those things are, are split up. But then you have apps like Outlook. And they do a lot of different things. But the way they get around that is in saying they do organization really well that's one thing so it all depends on the perspective of the app and what it's supposed to do right whereas if i have if i'm on a computer and this might be why you know you don't see xcode on ipad yet an app is supposed to do one thing really well whereas like xcode visual studio all the others they have so many tools so many different things that they do they don't really qualify as apps. I mean, that definition's changing so much now that that might be, you know, not the case. But it's interesting kind of look at uh, what is on the iPhone and iPad and what does not. Now, Android apps are very different from iOS apps. You know, on the iPhone, apps are a container. They have all your screens. They have everything there. But they're all contained in one window, one screen. Whereas Android, they have... Your app contains all your screens. But, like, you could get to a screen from another app. So, Jason, this will blow your mind. I was changing Twitter settings on Android. And managed to get into my timeline from the settings app. And I thought, whoa, I'm on my timeline. I must have gone into the Twitter app. But no, technically, I was still in the settings app, which that was confusing. Uh, that does break my brain. But that's how Android works. If an app can call on an activity from another app, another containing app, it can show it. And that's just weird from an iOS standpoint. You know, we're, we're so used to iOS where every, if you're in your app, you're in your app. You're in that walled garden, but that's not the case on Android. 
You know, speaking of Android, um, you bring a question to mind with this discussion. If an app is a standalone package set of instructions to perform a specific task on an operating system, that was almost very elegant of me. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> that almost sounded like I was reading from Wikipedia or something. Anyway, what then does that make Google's app streams? You know what I'm talking about? Like where you can stream apps from the Play Store and they're not physically on your device? I've never used them, but I would imagine they're like, um, what do they call it for iOS, where it only downloads the part of the app that's needed. Isn't that app thinning? Yes, app thinning. It's very similar. Like when Google streams an app to your phone, it only sends the parts of the app that it needs at that time. I've never used it either, but the idea is interesting since you're not actually installing the app to your device per se. I just... I haven't I'm done this, and I'm going to have to do this now. <laughs> <laughs> but the the thing about a you know like a Windows app, it's a full program on your computer. They're not really apps; they're just programs. But Windows has decided to call them apps. Now, web you know progressive web apps they're different because they are applications that run on a website, but they mimic the interface of an app, but they're still slower because they're not native uh, user interfaces. And it's just interesting, you know, some apps are built with Xamarin, some apps are built with uh, React Native and others, but I still feel like an app is not the best written until it's built from the ground up in on that platform. So I guess another question is, why is it so difficult to build an app? You know, they don't look very complicated. Why is it so difficult? The answer to that is... Apps are just like any other program, but unlike a lot of Windows applications, apps are very graphical. Apps have a lot of design that you may not have to look at on Windows, and plus they have to scale to different devices. And so like when you build an app for iPhone, you can't just throw objects on the screen. You have to determine where they're going to be, how they're going to be, what happens if they're on iPad, and those kind of things, and scale and that's just that takes a lot more time if you're a developer and that's why they make you know the big bucks in building iOS and Android apps because what goes involved with building an app is i i personally think a little more involved than a standard windows app you know i really feel like a lot of windows apps these days aren't as i mean i think they're they're more like iphone apps than they are writing a bunch of programming because you still use XML to build the user interface and regular programming to build the behind-the-scenes code. That's interesting. I don't know why I didn't realize that the interface was an XML file, but, I mean, I guess that makes sense. See, like, on on uh, Windows, it's XAML, I believe, is their interface files. And iOS, their storyboards, their XML files, just usually one. And then um, for Android, they use a bunch of different XML files to create what are called layouts. And you add your interface to those and tie it into your code. But, you know, I personally think that apps have come a long way. And one of the things that also makes it difficult to build these things is the requirements that, you know, Apple, Google all these companies have on app development, like what will get it through review process. 
And I feel like iOS apps are the better built apps because more thought has to go into making these things look good and passing the iOS human interface guidelines in Android where it's just, hey, build to your imagination's content and put it out there. Yeah, I noticed that like Android apps in some cases are very different layout wise than their iOS counterparts. I almost said IRS counterparts, <laughs> but um, <laughs> the Internal Revenue Service does not make iOS, y'all. Just saying. Uh, but anyway, like Bard is a good example. Its Android app looks a lot different than the iOS version. Like in the iOS version, for instance, when you are changing your speed or your tone of your book, there's sliders. Well, there's the button that's to the left that changes what the slider is, whether it's adjusting the tone or the speed. But it's still an adjustable slider, whereas in Android, they are uh, buttons on screen. And I feel like with iOS, you get a much more fine-grained control of your tone and speed adjustment if you want it because it's a slider. And... It's just, I was not expecting Bard for Android to be so much different than Bard for iOS. And of course, that's not always the case. Sometimes Android apps and iOS apps are very similar. I think Apple Music seems to be quite similar um, in Android as it is in iOS layout-wise for TalkBack. So it just kind of depends, I guess. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, see, the thing with Android is you're building on top of buildings, when you build your apps, whereas iOS, you kind of get closer to the hardware level of the phone when you build your app. So I feel like iOS apps run a little faster than Android apps. What do you, like when you select things and moving from screen to screen, because on Android, you're basically starting another app when you tap a screen because it has to launch that activity. What are your thoughts on that? Given the age of my phone, I don't know that I can honestly say one way or the other. But based on how you describe it, it does sound like it should be slower. Although it it seems to vary. Like, if I'm changing tabs in Apple Music for Android, it doesn't seem like it loads them any slower than my iPhone does. But if... And, and when I'm doing things with books and Bard, for instance, it doesn't seem like it's that much slower, even if the interface is clunkier, in my opinion, than on my iPhone. Um, yeah, and it might just be, it seems like the animations are slower, or it's just, it does things slower. It just, it doesn't seem as fluid as natural to me, but that's just my opinion. I still love Android, don't get me wrong, but I feel like iOS just looks a little more natural, just because screens are part of that interconnected storyboard instead of being different silos, and it's interesting because well, on, I, on on I, on Google, every every screen's kind of its own walled garden, but the app is just such a fluid, open place that they just they have to talk to each other. Whereas like iOS, the app is a walled garden and it can talk to itself really effectively. For me, I mean, I don't develop apps, but based on conversations you and I have had before this episode and based on conversations, you know, that we are having in this episode, it does sound like iOS apps, as far as the development process, seems like it makes more sense as far as the workflow is concerned than Android apps. Like it makes more sense for me to have one interface file for every screen of the app 
as opposed to having different files for each screen. Now, the advantage that Android has is it doesn't have background processes. Like, you can't just tell one app to run in the background to play music. You could send as many of them as you want because they use services. The problem is, is that, you know, you could theoretically, if you know how, your app could talk to the Spotify service and tell it to do things. Whereas in Apple world, that is a no-no. Yeah, and it's very interesting because certain apps, of course, will give you extra features when you enable their background services, like Lookout, for instance. It um, uses a service under accessibility. This is Google Lookout, not Lookout the security anti-security, uh, the anti-security, anti-virus app. I'll get it right one of these days. Um, and uh, so if you go into accessibility services or accessibility enable lookout as a service, you can do um, fingerprint gestures with it, which is interesting. Yeah, that is. I'll have to play with that. I really haven't checked that out. Um, I haven't either because I use the fingerprint for TalkBack's selector features. And I feel like they would conflict. But I do kind of wish iOS would get some of these features, you know, being able to make, you know, those kind of gestures with the fingerprints or do things with the camera. But I just think that it's important to kind of know the reason why we did this episode is for people to know what apps really are, you know, to know how they're kind of built and where, you know, where they're different based on what OS you're using, you know. To build an app, you have to use a program like Xcode or Visual Studio or Android Studio. It will compile it, put it on your device to test, and then you send it up to Google, Apple, or Microsoft for review and release into their stores. You can release you know, Android and Microsoft apps, uh, Windows apps, on your own and Mac apps, but you have more of a security risk with people not trusting your app. And so... It, that's really important to think about because, you know, on iOS, everything has to go through the store. Unless, yes, there is a way to sideload apps. Unless you have a certified uh, profile that goes along with your app, then you can install another app. I've also seen apps go into test flight beta testing that don't make it to the app store that you can install. Um <laughs> Uh, there's a shell client called ISH that I have on my phone that is just in test flight. So I found that to be interesting, too. That is interesting. It's also weird to think of being able to use a shell in iOS. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, there's been Prompt, which lets you do SSH out to other servers. But an internal shell running Linux commands is weird. And not jailbroken, folks. It's still its own walled garden. But it's still... A shell. It's about as weird as using an Android phone to host an FTP server. I'm so used to that. That's not so weird. You can install servers on Android or, and make it into a server, I, even an IceCast server. Yeah, I, I misspoke. I meant to say iOS. Since I think, is Transmit still in the App Store? No, it is not there okay. for iOS. I know there used to be an iOS client of, of Transmit. I think it actually did let you host uh, an FTP server, if I remember correctly. I don't know that it did, but there have been others that let you do it. And that's the yeah, thing, that folks. Not have been, yeah. Apps let you do, you know, some apps will let you do very incredible things with your phone. It just is up to your imagination of what it can do. I don't have it installed, but it's 
very interesting to me, the thought of having GarageBand on my phone. I mean, on my iPad, it makes more sense in my head, but I've always associated an app like GarageBand with my Mac, and more so with an iPad, but you can install it on an iPhone. So it's really amazing what apps allow us to do with our devices, even, you know, things you wouldn't really think about. So what do you think the future of apps will be? You know, apps are great now, but obviously in the future, they're going to be something new. I think we're going to see a lot more AI-driven tasks in apps in the future. I think we're always going to see, at least for the moment, we're always going to see the fundamental differences between, say, Google and Apple. You know, Google's becoming really, like, web app-based. You know, they're, they've, they've got so many areas that they are doing a lot of web stuff. Like, Chrome OS is definitely a very, very big one. I mean, you, you have... <laughs> I've heard so many Chromebook commercials... Uh, lately on TV, talking about why they're better than Windows, Mac OS, and so on and so forth. And I think for certain things, for certain types of, of use cases, that's true. But, you know, I just, maybe that's what it'll come down to. Maybe maybe it'll come down to, it really depends on how you use your computer more so than even now, as to whether you go for a web app-based experience versus a more traditional standalone app-based experience like, you know, what macOS or Windows can provide. Well, and I think, you know, I think Samsung is almost on the right track. Uh, I think in the future, what we're going to see is where our computers are our phones. And you do something, hook them up to a dock, and you get a full computer. And I, I think Windows 10 was supposed to be that, but I don't think it took off very well. So I would like to see that, you know, I, I heard there was talk about that for Windows and, you know, Android can do it from Samsung and from Google. And I want to see that happen. Uh, Endpoint computing, as the term is always called, where you could either talk to your computer, type to your computer, you know, use your eyes to use your computer Anything, you know, using an echo, that kind of technology, or talking to it, just saying kind of like what voice control does. And I think Apple's kind of looking for endpoint computing, but I think that we have a long way to go before we get there. But I think that's where we need to get. You know, I think it would be interesting, Michael, to if we ever got to the point where through endpoint computing that you didn't necessarily have to have a screen reader in order to use a computer if you could use it all via some form of assistant and the assistant would could then read the screen and basically do everything that you know you might need as far right. as your accessibility needs are concerned right that would be nice although i could sort of i was just thinking about web browsing and you know all the web shortcut keyboard shortcuts that we use you know like h for headings and K or L for links, depending. And I just, I don't know how you would efficiently navigate a web page that way with using an assistant, essentially. But I well, don't think know. Of, think of it it's, like this you could say, show me information on this web page that's relevant to a topic. And the assistant would browse that web page looking for that information, then it could speak it out loud to you. That's true. I mean, Google devices are already pretty okay at doing stuff like that since you can already ask like your 
Google Home how to reset your Echo device and it'll tell you. And right. My favorite, though, is when you ask it how to do something for Android and it gives you iOS instructions. Yeah, that's really hilarious. <laughs> oh, I love but those moments. As but far I'm as, sure all of this will get better. As far as apps, what I want to see is more endpoint computing in apps. And that's why one of the apps I'm working on will have that as a user interface um, coming out later this month or next month. And I just hope that more apps will do that because augmented reality does not need to just be for the public, general public. It could be for everybody. It can extend accessibility everywhere. So we need to look into that. All right. Do you have any final comments before we wrap up today? I think regardless of how the future turns out it's going to be very interesting seeing the path that we're taking to get to where we ultimately end up anything from you know apps to artificial intelligence to artificially intelligent apps <laughs> so i think it's going to be very interesting to see where we go in the future and uh, i just hope that wherever we end up is the best path for us to be on for as many people as possible agreed and i really just think that we need to as uh the users and the developers we need to work together and come up with the best solution for the technology community and make our tech be am as amazing as possible and to allow it to work with the most amount of people as we can so with all that being said, we're going to wrap up for today. But Jason, what's your pick of the week and where can people find you online? So my pick is the Big Bang Theory. It's a uh, very nerdy and comic, comedy filled rather show. Um, it unfortunately has come to an end now, but I have not seen the whole show. So I'm going back and watching the uh episodes that I may or may not have seen because I've seen several and it's just I love how relevant it was for the times I mean it was it was aired since what 2007 yeah I think is when it started and it just I mean it's just so relevant to what's going on in in, in pop culture and and technology and just all the geeky stuff also Sheldon Sheldon is, well, Sheldon. <laughs> it's very interesting watching him grow into a potentially maybe a little less socially awkward sort of character. <laughs> so, yes, definitely Big Bang Theory um, is my pick. As far as where people can find me, you can find me producing content uh, for iAccessibility. You can email me at jason at iAccessibility.net. You can f search for me on Facebook. Just search for Jason Earls. And you can also follow me on Twitter at JDE, that's Juliet Delta Echo 91. I ask that if you add me to social media, that you please let me know that you found me from the IA cast. All right. My pick for this week is a device that I believe Jason has picked before. And that's the Powerbeats Pro. I just got these. Uh, yeah, you're right. I did pick those. <laughs> I just got these and I got the Navy ones. And I will tell you, at first I didn't like them at all. Did not like them. Because I couldn't get my ear to make a good seal with the even the large tips. 
I go on them. But some friends showed me some tricks, and I got them to work for me just fine. And so I love them for, you know, sitting back and, and listening to audio. They sound amazing, $250, and they, I have never had one go out of battery yet. I have, but it was when I was on Team Talk for like six hours. <laughs> yeah, I, so. haven't used my, I haven't used mine much for that. And, you know, just switch them out, and they're amazing. They sound great. Great little case. That case is slippery. It will fall out of your hands at least once. And they just sound really good. So Powerbeats Pro, $250. Highly recommend them. Awesome pick. I love them. It was a hard pick between that, the ivory, and the green ones. They all looked beautiful. I'm surprised, Michael, you also didn't talk about the fact that they have Hey Siri support just like the AirPods. They do. And it works really, really well. Plus, they have tactile buttons. They aren't touch sensitive like the AirPods. And... You can skip tracks and change your volume. It's really awesome. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. And I definitely agree with you about that case. <laughs> Luckily, I haven't managed to drop it on, like, concrete yet. I'm afraid that I'm going to one day. I like the hinge that it just doesn't slide. You push it up and it locks into place. Like, you can kind of feel it give, have some give, and then oh, it kind yeah. of clicks. I didn't notice that at first um, when I first opened up the case, and then I started playing with it. I'm like, that's pretty clever. Yeah. <laughs> and it has a lightning connector, so it can work with your lightning to USB-C if you use that, or just regular lightning cables. But the, the lightning cable that comes with it is black, which is cool. Yep. So I will say, though, the one thing I don't like about the case is, it, at least for mine, is when you have the earbuds in, because they have the ear hooks, it seems like it doesn't quite shut as securely as it does without them in. Like, you can feel the case kind of move a little bit. The lid of the case kind of move left and right when the earbuds are in it, and I don't know that I like that too much. I haven't noticed that. the magnet keeping it closed. I haven't noticed Mine that. Mine does that, and it's done that ever since I got them. Interesting. But I love these headphones. Highly recommend them. So, as where people can find me, you can find me producing content for iAccessibility. You can find me by emailing Mike Doeys. That's M-I-K-E-D-O-I-S-E. That's uh, Mike, D as in David, O-I-S-E at iAccessibility.net. I'm Mike Doeys on Twitter, Michael Doeys on Facebook, and you can find my website at michaeldoeys.com. If you add me on Facebook, please let me know you found me from the IACast podcast. And... Also, just to let everybody know, we have an iAccessibility Community Facebook group, so check that out and uh, uh, join the page, and we will add you. So ho go ahead and check that out. We're also on WhatsApp, and you could find us at uh, you could find out all this information at iAccessibility.net/slash/join, and you'll hear more about that after uh, during our outro. So thanks everybody for being here on this episode of the IACast. Again, this is the Calm. And the next episodes, plural, will be the storm. It will be a lot of Apple coverage and discussions, and we're going to have a whole big panel for our wrap-up show. So I'm very excited about all that. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much, everybody, for being here. Thank you, everybody, on the stream. And we will see you next time for another IACast episode. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. This show has been brought to you by the IACast Network. We love hearing from you. Email us at feedback at iAccessibility.net. Got Twitter? Follow us at iAccessibility1. 
Facebook, search for iAccessibility. Download our free apps for iOS and Android and keep up with all of our content at iAccessibility.net. If you'd like to donate to our show, hit the PayPal button on our website and get early access to our outtakes with a donation at patreon.com slash iacast. Thanks for listening. Copyright 2019, iAccessibility, LLC.